Welcome back to the Troubleshooting Life Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Peters, my co-host, Craig Poston, where we talk about various topics, sharing our experiences on life and finances. What's up, man? Not much. Another week as always. Yes, sir. Yeah. How's things going? Oh, pretty good, man. Pretty good. You know, this week, you know, we had Memorial Day, so Memorial Day off was was pretty nice having a three-day weekend. However, it kind of messed up like my uh, workout schedule because I I woke up on Monday and I think we recorded on Monday. So I, I was planning to go like shoot some hoops in the morning and I didn't. So I ended up uh, swapping out my schedule, you know, sh- still shooting hoops a couple times a week. And then uh, I lifted like once or twice during the week. Other than that, you know, still working on those goals, uh, you know, finance goals and stuff, trying to figure out what properties to purchase, uh, you know, where to purchase now. Cause like, you know, you know, as Adrian and I are going through the you know, wedding planning process and trying to like map out kind of different events, like, you know, when we want to move, when we want to uh, pick up different, you know, jobs or whatever it is, you know, just trying to see how we can get that into a timeline or roadmap that fits uh, the circumstances. So, yeah. But, uh, what about you, man? No, no, not much. Same thing, you know, enjoyed that Monday off. Uh, like I said, we, we got a chance to record. I thought it would be a good day because I didn't have much to do that day. I don't know if I mentioned last time about we're dealing with girls. It was a slumber party and I uh, had to take them to the movies, arcade, all that. And it was, it was a good time for them. I mean, it wasn't bad for me, but I, uh, it's just th- the fact that, you know, you kind of like the chaperone. Yeah. Uh, so you threw Little Mermaid. Yeah. Well, I mean, Little Mermaid turned out not to be too bad, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so like, that was actually pretty good. And, uh, and I mean, I guess it was, it was a new, it was a new thing. And I think there's something my wife enjoyed too, because I believe it was something she wanted to do as a kid, never got a chance to, and to be able to get a chance to do that for our daughter was pretty cool. Cause it was kind of like, close to the girl's day or girl's day. Huh? Yeah. Cause it was more of an extension of her birthday. She, mm. she went somewhere else, uh, instead of having a party. So we came up with another idea by having like a, yeah, basically a, a girl's day out. Yeah. 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 And then a slumber party afterwards. So that's cool, man. That's really cool. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Cause yeah, my, um, yeah, I'm going to say I didn't have that too for my birthdays. Yeah. It was very, very mm-hmm. simple. Ice cream cake and pizza or Popeye's chicken. Something oh, like yeah. that. <laughs> so very simple. Uh, and yeah, it's pretty cool to do that or even at least afford to do, do the things that we're doing. Yeah. Right? So, but, but yeah, um, yeah, besides that, no, that uh, that's 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 it. And same as goals, you know, still still trying to put goals in the forefront of my mind. I kind of like how we got with this title because it kind of made me rethink about my goals too. Yeah, uh, think about it in a different way, be a little bit more aggressive, you know, towards meeting them yeah. uh, versus being so so passive and just like kind of planning towards it and making you know letting it happen, but just actually sitting down and taking you know like. The, the time to think about it. So I, I might start planning more time alone with myself just so I can actually sit and think about what's the next move with what is the the next plan for the goal? Because yeah, sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm lost even with goals. And that's a crazy thing to say. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it, it makes sense because <clears throat> goals can be many things, right? They could just be uh, statements. Like I want to be rich. That could be a goal, right? But you don't yeah. necessarily have the, the path forward on how to do that. Like, would it be, you know, should I go work for someone for X amount of years and save up for retirement? And that's how I become rich. 
right? Should I go start my own business? Should I, you know, create like a service type business where I clean cars or something simple, right? But, you know, I charge, you know, I do a good job. I charge whatever per person, whatever it is, right? Yeah. Because there's so many different paths on the, on the goal, the overarching goal of wanting to become wealthier and then become rich. So yeah, even if you have those goals, they could also change, right? We, we work in like an agile type of environment where things change, if not daily, then weekly or monthly. And some of them kind of seem like a Barry Sanders 180 turn on a dime type of thing where you're going one way, but you have to swap and go the other way. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of like how, how life it is. Yeah. No, no, that, that, that is a big statement. Yeah. Cause yeah, things do change. And I mean, and like I said, the other thing too, is like keeping that motivation, especially when you have a year, year long goal, or even not just a year long goal. Sometimes they're longer than that, but keeping the motivation to just keep hitting it and, or keep going towards it. Cause some, some of these are large where they need to be in bite-sized chunks. And if you, with same thing with agile, right? Agile teaches you that the main goal is this, but we take these little bites to get us all the way to the end and you, and you hit them in a fast pace, you know? Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Cause there are like, uh, like lifelong goals, right? Like most, maybe not most people, some people want to become wealthy or right? some people want to have good health. Some people want to have good relationships with the people around them. Right. But you would have to kind of bring them down into certain frames as in what are your short-term, mid-term, long-term goals? What are your, like, what can you accomplish in a month? What can you accomplish in six months, uh, for the year, for the next three years, for the next five years, uh, just to kind of slowly get you to that, those long goals. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, some of my goals, uh, they're the suppose they should be more lifelong, but then it's like, I'm trying to condense them down to make them where they, they're hit a lot quicker, especially, you know, the ones you're, you're trying to hit that financial freedom type of thing. And you're, you're trying to come up with ways that how, how quick can I get there? And I'll say, you know, okay, you can add up your expenses now, see what type of income you need to make without actually being part of an employer. Uh, yeah, you got those things and then you, but it's like the, the goals, some of the goals that to be financially free, you're, you're really, I don't know. I'm trying to say where you're, you're just, it it may be over the top. It seems over the top, right? Cause of the amount of money you think you might need, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Cause the thing is you want it to keep producing income, even when you're not working. So like you have to come up with ways kind of like the, the thing on, uh, it's, uh, the richest man in Babylon, kind of like how they say how you make your, uh, babies have babies and it's talking about money, make money. And mm. uh, so like you come up with ways to like, okay, you put your money in a, in a place that creates new, new money or creates income or creates, it creates something else and then allow that to create another thing. So yeah, you're and, saying you're buying a producing asset where you could also reuse that money for. Yeah, exactly. Right. So say if you. You, you bought a home strictly for investment property. You had it cash flow. You put the cash flow not only just in back into the house, but say if you could buy stocks with that, that cash flow, right? Yeah. Then you're finding other ways to just keep keep it going. And yeah. that's a, yeah, and that's a, I mean, honestly, that's like one of those plans you have to sit down and think, well, is, is this the best use of the money? Or is it, because you know, when you use your cash flow, you need it to really go back into the house to kind of cushion you from, the things that happen with homes, normal things like the the maintenance that has to get taken care of, yeah, and keep you, expenses. yeah, pretty much keep you from, you know, pulling from your your personal funds that you need for emergency or whatever, right? And now you can use this. It's the the home is paying for itself. Yeah, yeah, and then so yeah, exactly. 
yeah so that's uh that's kind of like you know where i've been trying to get my mindset you know on that you know and that's why i think like even this is title looking having me research some stuff that yeah, made me think like okay all right i need to tighten up on what i what i really want to do with uh with my life so yeah. <laughs> how's that book coming uh yeah exactly i don't and i was thinking about that too yeah i was like it's like is that is that a is it a goal now is that a goal later like what is like that that's what i started i was honestly before we got on today i was thinking about that like what what level of goal because that was one thing I, I when i went to go talk to a financial advisor right and you can you ask the question hey where should i put my money and uh one of the things he didn't say it directly he did it indirectly and it's basically what is most important to you and he didn't say that but he was like asking me hey what do you want to invest in you want stocks real estate you know business what do you want to you know like the thing is, what is the most important and is that should be on the goal list now or should that be on the goal list later? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of them, especially so for whether it's financial advisors or, or goal setting and stuff is that um, a lot of them trying to get like a risk profile. Yeah. As in like, how much are you willing to focus on growth immediately to where, yes, it could grow exponentially or you could lose it fairly quickly. But, you know, it, that that just kind of comes into life as well as in like, so investing in stocks is may not be as risk heavy as investing in real estate. Right. Yeah. Uh, as in, because you could just, you know, buy fractional shares for, you know, almost pennies on the dollar and it wouldn't cost you a lot financially or buying a property more than likely, more likely than not will cost you a lot of money up front. Right. Yeah. Where if I could, you know, put into like an IRA or a 401k, it, you know, it's, in comparison, fraction. Yeah, well, you're talking about the money up front, though, right? When it comes to homes, it's the money up front. I think the long term with a home is better than stocks. Like, because yeah, as agree, but I mean, like the the risk as in that house, you could have additional problems with it. Uh, and the true, stock, yeah. the stock or an ETF isn't going to have a lot of problems. Yeah, yeah, the maintenance. Yeah, pretty much the maintenance on yeah with your stocks versus maintenance with uh with property. Yeah, yeah. you you are true uh, with that because. Yeah, especially if you can, you know, go with an ETF, which is actually, what is that, low maintenance fees, and uh, you actually, you don't really have someone constantly managing that that product, yeah. then yeah, it, it's actually low cost to do it. And that's why some people say, hey, get into ETFs, uh, that's a way to get into investing, so you can see how it feels, mutual funds, all those. Because yeah. that was, I mean, honestly, that's why I was saying at one point when we were talking about, you know, building credit, one way to build credit is like, if you could get money from a credit card or money from a, a loan where the, the interest rate made sense, like where you could actually purchase an asset with it, which is paper assets from that money. And you uh, paid it back either, I won't say through the stock, but you can pay it back maybe from the money that you already, because you're trying to build your credit from money that you're earning from something. Yeah. And then that way you could, you're actually doing two things at once. You're building wealth and building credit. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and that, that would be one of those low risk type of investments would be mutual funds and ETFs. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with them. Yeah. But yeah, besides that, man, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Yeah. They're just, I'm telling you this title, yeah, kind of, you know, had me thinking. So <laughs> that's it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So the, the title for this week is become a conqueror, not a struggler. Yeah. And this is, uh, your title. So you want to start us out? Yeah. And so, uh, <clears throat> become a conqueror, not a struggler. Actually, I think I pulled it from, an interview I saw with Nipsey Hussle, like, you know, RIP Nip, where he was, 
stating the way he looked at money when he was first uh, receiving it after you know, he started getting you know, more record deals and stuff like that is that a lot of people, they'll go through life, whether they're receiving something or not, and they'll utilize their assets and resources in certain ways, right? So a conqueror would utilize an asset towards building something where a struggler may use an asset just to consume things, right? As in like, you know, say I, I, I give two people money, right? Let's say I would give them like yeah. one grand each. One person may invest it in stocks, real estate, whatever it is. Another person may just spend it on a liability, some sort, something that's depreciating or something just to have fun, right? Nothing, either one is wrong or right. I'm just saying that they have two different goals. One, the one of the conqueror where they want to produce things for future stuff, whether that's for them, for the future, for their community, for their family. Or the struggler more than likely is just looking at the immediate gratification of spending the money on something that they can have right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, now that's the thing, though, when it comes to that, that struggling mentality, uh, it's kind of hard to hard to fight, especially if you, you never, you, you don't come from a background that where you have all this good advice. People yeah. are telling you, hey, this is the better way to do it. Yeah. So like to, to have that mentality can sometimes just be deep rooted and being able to, you know, listen to, to people who, you know, have positive influence can help you get out of that type of uh, mindset environment or whatever. Uh, Cause yeah, I, uh, just having that, the thought of just want, always wanting to use your money to buy, you know, I guess what do you call it? Uh, not, not assets, more like a, what's that? Liability. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Liability. But then you can't, you know, you can't strictly say, you know, they'll struggle just cause they buy liabilities. Sometimes they probably made it to that point where they can buy liabilities. Right. You know, but yeah, that mentality where they keep themselves down, you know, like, yeah, that's, yeah. And that's one of those things where they got to uplift, uplift themselves or get around the right people who who talk about good things that like, Hey, let's, let's get ahead in life and not always stay the same or always taking those steps backwards. Yeah. Yeah. So for, yeah, the truck, uh, that, that type of yeah mentality, like I said, I, I was reading something earlier and I, I was telling you how it can also mean a little differently. Whereas like you just stuck there, right? That that's just that that mentality is like I'm used to struggling, and, and it's like it, that seems like the way of life, and that's why you know you know people won't just leave that environment, they won't leave that that mindset, yeah. Uh, and yeah, because that yeah, because as you would say here, you know it's a, it's a pattern, yeah, it is a pattern, right? And you you, I mean, just sometimes that's what I I I'm glad that it's not a sometimes. It, it, I am glad that I've had a chance to move around and see different things. And it's, it, it, it kind of breaks you free of what you don't know that's inside of you. Like you you actually go somewhere else. You learn something new. You can build a new you. Uh, yeah. Just even just picking up and leaving, going to, to a whole nother place. You know, especially if you don't have a lot of it, it, a lot of personal stuff, like a lot of like, you know, baggage or whatever. Right. Just pick up, leave, go somewhere else. That way you can actually, you know, break yourself free of that, that same mentality because you're going to you're going to change who you are by because you're developing a new person to adapt to that new environment that you have going on. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in life, we often face challenges and obstacles that can make us feel like we're constantly struggling. However, those are transformative mindset shifts that can empower us to rise above these struggles and become conquerors. By embracing the conqueror mentality, we can approach life with resilience, determination, and a pro- proactive mindset that propels us towards success. So we're going to explore how to transition between or being a struggler to becoming a conqueror and at least the you know, true potential, I guess, in, in life or in your mentality. Yeah. So, uh, so I mean, 
I mean, I don't know if you can just think back of something that you've, you know, you've had to struggle with that, you know, before, or have you always kind of been researching and putting yourself in a different mindset where you, you didn't, that you knew what you were doing, that you didn't know that you were struggling or just doing the wrong thing? So, I mean, I, I've definitely been a struggler before and to where like, you know, couldn't pay bills or, or it was hard to afford certain bills to where, you know, I, I never even turned on the AC because it would, you know, wrap the electricity bill, right? So there were times where I was struggling, but I think I've always tried to look for ways out of the struggle and yeah. not necessarily trying to find ways to keep myself struggling. Like, I, and I always looked at it as like a temporary thing. I just didn't know, and temporary could be anything, right? A temporary could be a year, could be five years, could be 10 years, right? But I, I, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do, but I knew I was going to do something to get out of that type of situation. And I also tried to focus on not putting myself deeper into a bad situation. As in, I don't want to take in more debt that I really couldn't afford because I couldn't afford my own bills. Or I didn't want to take on, um, and I, I wasn't trying to go for things that would make me feel better in the immediate. Like I didn't want to go and find like a, a nicer apartment or get a nicer car or, you know, go out to eat every day. Just like I said, I, those were things that I couldn't afford. So I wasn't going to try to look like I could afford them or pretend that I, I, I could. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you got to uh, realize sometimes when, you know, this with strugglers, right? Sometimes it seems like you're, I guess it's the word separating yourself from the, the people who you're around. And that's why it is good to separate for a little while, at least. Right. So you can see who you are. But the the the, the way you're talking about struggling is kind of like, you know, more in a financial sense. Right. Where we're like, I am finding ways to save money. Uh, I'm finding uh, I'm finding ways to uh, make sure that I have what I need to, you know, to get by. All right. Yeah. And it, I mean, in that sense, that, it, that that is still struggling. Right. But when say um i'm thinking about like when when i was a, a kid you see people who you know they could do better in life right or you just see an environment where like they're, they're just people who feel like they, they're they not going anywhere so they just stay there and they yeah. just keep doing doing the same things they uh they don't want to leave their people because it feels like they're a sellout you know or whatever right yeah. but then it's not true because if you can you know get your make yourself better then you can be an example to show that you're you can uplift people Right. Yeah, like, hey, yeah, yeah. So you can you, you can <clears throat> motivate them to like, oh, well, you did it. Yeah. yeah. Then and I know I can do it. Well, then, hell, yeah, let's let's do it. Right. And and, uh, and then you got you got your people who like they, they're It's like nobody they they, they don't want to get better. Right. So then they're trying to pull you back down yeah, with them. Gonna trust you. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it, it's those those environments. I mean, those are the roughest environments. I mean, because you have it, it. It literally is the blind leading the blind. Right. Nobody is trying to get ahead. And then anytime you see a, a shred of somebody trying to get ahead, it's like, oh, I got to get you, I got to get you back here. You know, you think you're better than us, you know? Yeah. So I think a good uh, point to that, and it's kind of the first point here is recognizing the, the struggle of mentality, whether it's within you or, or yeah. within others that you're around, like what Craig's saying, it's for the people that are around you. Is that, you know, part of becoming a conqueror is to acknowledge the, the limitations of becoming a struggler, right? When you're a struggler, you tend to view yourself as a victim or you know the people around yourself they they tend to be themselves as victims where they're always overwhelmed by certain challenges and setbacks whether you know it's financial or that's you know, in your relationships or stuff like that you know people may feel helpless they may feel like they're lacking control of their circumstances and they're stuck um but if you recognize these patterns and 
you kind of uh, acknowledge that these are bringing you down, it'll slowly break you free of that struggle. It's kind of like when you realize that you're overweight and the first thing you do is hit the scale to actually you know, acknowledge, hey, yes, I am overweight. There's this like natural occurrence. I think there's been a few studies on it where people that weigh themselves are more likely to to lose weight than people that are not. Yeah, that's that more like, like tracking it, right? That uh, yeah. if you, yeah, if you track it, then it gets you a fault. Yeah, yeah, it, it was something like that. Yeah, so, but no, that that's true. Because uh, yeah, I mean, I was letting myself slip where I didn't I didn't weigh myself but then I could also feel something's different about myself uh, but that's only because you know if you're a person who constantly works out you can you can feel the body changes versus yeah. like you know say someone who doesn't really work out they, they just think it's part of life so they just they let it go yeah. but yeah after you're able to recognize the the struggler mindset I think starting to embrace the the conqueror mindset would be like the next thing and is our next point. And then, so adopting a new mindset that empowers you rather than breaks you down or breaks down the people around you. And instead of seeing challenges as, or as they are as challenges or problems, see them as opportunities for, for growth and change, right? So say something at work, like say someone quits and now you have to take over their responsibilities, right? That's an opportunity. It, it is pain for the short term, but it is an opportunity to show your employer that, hey, yes, I can take on more responsibilities. I can do mine and their job. So when it comes up for like performance evaluations or for raises, you know, you may get one to cut above the rest, but it also proves to you that you're not only bound to the stuff that you are told to do. You can do other things, not necessarily that you have to, but you can do other things. And then you can either take that to your current employer or to other employers saying, hey, I am able to do this amount of stuff. And at some point you could then train, teach, or lead other people to do that stuff. And then if you become resilient, you know, refuse to let certain challenges kind of define you and then, you know, taking proactive steps. So like Craig was saying, just thinking about your life, thinking about like what goals you want to do, if those goals are still valid, reassessing all that, facing adversity head on, and then, you know, remaining steadfast and keep going on that, that perpetual pursuit to success. For me and uh, my personal life, that's, that's how I see challenges. Think about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out knowing something more than I did before uh, versus like seeing this as a, a setback, seeing this as, you know, this is preventing me from my happiness or whatever it is, right? If I can go through it and finish, you know, succeed at it, I mean, even if I don't succeed, guess what? I still learned something new out of that process. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'll say that the army helped me develop that one, that, that, that muscle. Uh, I don't think I had that strong muscle when I was younger, when I went to the military, a lot of times you're getting told to finish, even if you're, you know what I'm saying? If you're doing a bad job, right. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the mentality that they have is like, it, it has to get done. So, and then that, even if you're struggling, right, you, you just mutter through that and you see how, what it looks like on the, on the backside of it. Cause the backside might not be as bad. And that's the same way how I looked at deployments. Uh, when, um, well, and I say deployments, uh, I only deployed once, but, uh, when I was deployed, knowing that you can't leave, right. You had to finish it. And yes, it sucked at times, but then when I got back, it didn't, 
it didn't seem as bad, even though it was. <laughs> because the fact is, I finished it. I, I I got back home. I enjoyed family time. We had days off. You know, it, it was extra money coming in, things like that. But things got better on the back end because it, it also told me, like, it taught me something. It told me that I could do a lot more than what I think. A lot of things are mental. Uh, and then uh, as the same, I was like, I got a chance to pay off bills after, you know, after coming back. So but it, uh, again, like when it comes to, you know, that I'm going to make it through, like that, that is the best way. Cause like I did, I learned something in the end and that's why I don't quit, you know, immediately when something that, when it gets bad, it's because I want to see how it's going to turn out. When I, I realize it doesn't benefit me anymore. That's when it's time to quit. Yeah. So, yeah, I think also, so following on like the other topics and stuff where the other points, like shifting your perspective can really help you become like the conqueror. So, and I think that's what, you know, the deployments really did for you is that, you know, you had a certain life with your family. You had to be removed from that, that life and be away from them. While it's not, you know, for a long time or no, I can't say that. It's not for ever. It's not permanent. It's still a temporary amount of time going through it still sucks. You know, it's not it's not comfortable it's not you know really building or helping you build your family at that point but you know when you come back you now have a certain appreciation right so your perspective kind of swaps to where man this sucks but when you come back you're like well it was still a good experience because now i have a different appreciation for life yeah that was exactly how it was uh, because I, I saw how bad it couldn't, it can be. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was the same thing too. When I think I might've mentioned before on one of the other podcasts, how I went to the field mm. and it, to me, it didn't even feel bad anymore. Like I used to hate going to the field. And when I came back from deployment, I was like, cool, let's go to the field. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's just how I felt about it. I mean, in, 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 uh, in, the, in the military, or say the army, right. Uh, when, uh, you go to the field, sometimes you're either sleeping on the ground or you're sleeping in hot tents or uh, sleeping on a truck. And then um, you still wake up the next day to do your training or do whatever you were set out there to do. Uh, and a lot of times we try to make it uh, in, in a uh, deployment environment. So you're basically creating the same things that you would create in your normal environment, your office environment. So yeah. you try to build that same environment in a remote site usually the woods and uh and then you you try to run operations the same exact way so like all that became easier when i came back yeah it, it definitely how i looked at things i looked at them a whole lot different it was because you appreciate you do appreciate life especially when you see that other people can le- lose their life while they're there yeah. or, and if they don't lose their life they're they're badly hurt when they come back home yeah uh, in addition to that is that you're there you know, typically not necessarily by yourself, but with other people that are in the same other situation where they don't have their families around them, right? You're all there for you know, whatever mission that you're there for, but things are still going on at home that you also don't have control of, right? Like, you know, your kids yeah. could be getting sick, you know, uh, there could be some financial problems over there. Uh, unfortunately, you know, some family members could be passing and on, on top of the or stressors already of being in a deployment area, or being forward deployed, uh, those other stressors, they still exist. They don't go away and it just kind of adds on to it. But if you're ever able to be one of the ones that actually, you know, makes it back, you know, you're good, uh, and good mental health and stuff then it, it creates a, like Goggin says, the, the callousing around your mind or, uh, which is, you know, what's called cultivating resilience, which is another point on here. What resilience is, is it's the backbone 
uh, you know, being the, the conqueror mindset. It's the ability to bounce back from failures or setbacks and then to develop resilience by embracing failure as a stepping stone to success and then learning from mistakes, learning to adapt, learning to persevere past those setbacks. And then, you know, when you're able to, when, or, uh, when you're able to, you know, have a network of support, being able to surround yourself with those people or, uh, that those group of people that will help you kind of get through those moments. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. Even on that last statement right there, that's definitely, uh, true. We call it an army embrace the suck. <laughs> so like everyone is dealing with the same thing. Uh, that's like end up being like your new family. Uh, in a sense that your brother, sister, mom, dad, that's, they're basically, everyone's, everyone's in it together. I mean, yeah, you're going to have your ones that you got your complainers. They're going to, you know, this is the worst thing ever. Yeah. I mean, possibly is, but the thing is you don't let it seep into your brain as being the worst thing ever, because it may not be the worst thing that you're going to experience for the rest of your life. Yeah. All right. So, you know, it's just, but having that, that, that network uh, of people. And I remember even when I was getting ready to get off active duty, I remember, the man that was in charge of me, because uh, it was a civilian, wasn't a, uh, a green suitor. Uh, the man was in charge of me. He was like, he was letting me know that when you leave, you're gonna probably want to be around people like you. So you want to get with a network. He was like, join a church, join some type of group, something, so you can have you know you, the people around you because that's one of the things that you have in the military. You have all these people around you all the time, and then when you leave, you don't. Mm. You know. Your life isn't, and he didn't mention this, but I can tell you this, life isn't as exciting, you know, outside of being on active duty. Uh, I mean, it's a good and a bad thing because that takes away some of the stress in your life. But then it's like one of those things that you you miss, right? It's a fast-paced environment. You're getting forced to be healthy, you know, because they're telling you, make sure you keep your weight at a certain standard. They're telling you, make sure you work out, you know, that they're telling you to get educated they're telling you that hey you need to advance and you have all this behind you all the time and then uh when you you leave you don't have that anymore and yeah. it's like you yeah but the thing is that since you develop that you know you develop that that callus right uh you, you've learned how to get through all these challenges you can still apply that to your life right so that the resilience that easily to adapt hey things don't go good so i'm gonna fail you know and yes, sometimes I do lose altogether where I've lost money, right? But guess what? Money comes back and then you can find a better way to invest it the next time. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And then uh, continuing with like our points and stuff, the part of becoming a conqueror is also setting meaningful goals. So we, we kind of talked about it earlier where sometimes our goals are you know, lifelong goals. Sometimes our goals are you know, very short term and stuff that we can kind of knock out really quickly. Um, but however long they are, it doesn't really matter. It's just that as long as we're setting like clear and meaningful goals that also assign with or align with your passions and values. And I think that's another thing is before we kind of start setting up goals is to really identify, you know, who you are, what you're passionate about and what your values are so that when you come up with a goal that it doesn't uh, contradict what those are, what those uh, values or passions are. So say if your goal is to get money, right? But of course, there's many different ways to get money. You know, people could deal with drugs, right? To get money. I'm not here to knock on people's, you know, hustles or anything. But if that is against your values, then you're going to have a tough time. We're going to have a lot more stressors uh, internally to get towards that goal, right? 
And I think as, as we said, you know, if you break down your goals to smaller goals and, you know, make more achievable steps, uh, it'll kind of lead you to a, an easier path or, or a quicker path on becoming a, a- yeah, that, that was, that, uh, again, because of this title, it made me look deeper and that, that was definitely it. Trying to set those meaningful goals. Like, why am I doing this? Why do I want to do this? You know, uh, it, like, where do you think you're going to be in, in the next three to five years, 10 years, whatever, right? Uh, should your goals be directed towards that or should you, you know what I'm saying? Again, just hit smaller, smaller goals and get, just get going. Yeah. Uh, Cause I was like reading stuff on like, you know, about the same thing, right? Having these uh, concise goals, focus, focus on exactly what, what you really want to do. And then like you, uh, once you, once you get to that point, you got to commit to it, right? You got to commit hard. Uh, yeah. I think even, um, I think it was Think and Grow Rich, yeah. that book. That was one of those things where like when you have that true belief, you don't allow anybody to steer you off your path, which that, that's going to happen in life, yeah. right? So did you you set the goal, you say that's where I'm going, and then you you commit hard, and, and that's where you go. And you're going to say, hey, I want to, this is where I want to be, and this is where I'm going. And I think that's the whole point about Think and Grow Rich is basically it's a mindset thing. You know, it's like, hey, think your way rich. It's really, it was really talking about, you know, pretty much not accepting defeat. So like you're, 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 ba- you're basically, you're, 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 uh, you're full hearted in what you're trying to do in life. And, uh, and then when you get ready to take action on, on those goals that after you've made that commitment, it's, it's, it's all uphill from there. So you're, you're, you're no, no matter what gets in your way with adver- adversities, you're, you're going to fight to win towards that goal. Then I guess you have to be mindful of people, right? Like you can't you can't treat your family wrong, which you know, or other people wrong, which that happens. Yeah. Some people are so so steadfast on getting to where they need to go that they, I mean, they stumble over people and that they're they're good people in their life. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And and one of the reasons why I kind of promote uh, people figuring out you know who they are, what they want, what their values are, is because when you know who you are, other pe- other people cannot tell you who you are. Right. As in, you could still be on a journey to make money. Um, and there's all these different ways of the, like the get rich quick schemes. Right. And, you know, a lot of people will fall for them. A lot of people, you know, whatever it is, if it's like a conference or whatever it is, like a course, um, where they actually don't help build you. It's just a way for other people to get rich quick and not necessarily like you that. If you knew who you are, you're going to be like, well, that's not what I'm working on right now. So even if it, I could get rich quick right now, I realize that it's not going to be sustainable for me because it doesn't match who I am at the moment. Right. So it will really prevent you from making certain choices that you, you wouldn't agree with if you knew who you were. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. That's a true statement, man. So as Craig was saying, so uh, embrace the journey. So the, the last point on this is, you know, Remember that becoming a convert is a journey. It's not something that's, you know, really quick. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not probably not going to happen within a month or a year, right? You know, there is a process that you kind of have to learn to enjoy, just like how if you, you know, were to work out, if you're on that journey of making money, it's, 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 it's a long time. It's not something that's just given to you. Um, and it's not something that you can just sustain in a short term, but, you know, embrace and enjoy that, you know, it takes time to get into shape it takes time to become incredibly wealthy it takes time to get all those goals that you uh have sought out for yourself and i think that's what makes it worth it is because it takes uh that time that that investment of resources to really achieve something that you're going for yeah 
No, it's definitely it's definitely a journey, right? Uh, like I said, every everything you do in life uh, is going to be some type of journey. Uh, I'm, like I said, I, I I'll tell people. I'll even tell like you know, like I said, I went to uh, talk to on career day, and the one thing is like you know, everything you got to do, you have to work hard at it. It doesn't matter what it is, right? I didn't tell talk about the journey, but the the journey is is all part of it because that is part of your growth. If you if you were to take take that away, what what it, you know, you might not have all the experiences that you need, right? The ones that you've learned how to create, because you, if you go off of somebody else's experiences in life, right, it might not apply to you exactly. So like uh, that taking those that journey, uh, or it's just accepting the challenge, right? Just accepting that challenge for the journey as a big step. And I know it's some, uh, cause I've listened to, you know, other things on YouTube or whatever, where they don't believe in a journey. They believe in a straight path. Yeah. I mean, yes, yes. Straight path does get you there, but then will you sustain it? Uh, not without support at least, right? You won't sustain yeah. that, that path without somebody else helping you supplement some of the ideas because you didn't create some of these ideas on your own there, or you didn't experience these ideas or experience these situations, which again, it's, if you think about it with, with, with business, right, we don't experience everything. So that's why you pay somebody else to help you out with their experiences. Cause that's what they do. Yeah. Uh, same for real estate, right? You're not gonna, you're not gonna do everything for the home. Now, if you can, that, that's great. But then if you're trying to balance books, you're trying to do the renovations, you're trying to, you're trying to, you know, do uh, was, uh, the plumbing, everything, right. You're trying to make sure everything is good to go. It may be a little hard for a single person. Yeah. Uh, and, and then when you reach out to other people, they know an easier way. I mean, I'll take that like uh, reaching out to a property manager. Save me, save me in my mind, tons of money uh, because they helped me figure out that I didn't need that. And there was an easier way to do it. And it was a cheaper cost. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, not to get too far off about embrace the journey, but that was part of the journey was learning that that there are other people out there. There's other ideas. And then also when I experienced it myself, I also know I have a little bit more knowledge about what's going on. So you can't get cheated, right? If you experience something, experience something and someone else tried to tell you something else, you know, you can tell them to know that that's not necessarily true. You may be on the right track, but you know what I'm saying? But maybe if we try this, it'll be better, right? Yeah. No, I think the part of the embracing the journey is that you're not going to be alone during the journey. And, and it, it is your goal and it's something that you're, trying to do for yourself or whatever for whomever it is right but like you said there are people that can help you along the way right like you for example to properly you said there's real estate agents there's property managers there's contractors there's all these other people that are going to be part of that journey to help you in your goal of let's say being wealthy or having assets yep yeah and we're uh we're trying something different now huh we're it's called uh, this week in finance we may come up with uh or technology or real estate we're, we're going to come up with different articles uh uh each week uh to talk about which is actually i think just us adjusting as as we keep trying to perfect our pro uh our product our podcast right uh which will probably never be perfect so <laughs> we're just going to keep trying yeah. and we're going to look for new ideas and hopefully we can get comments in the comment section about uh ways that you think that we could do better but as of right now, I think we have a technology article. Yeah. So this one is, uh, so we'll do with This Week in Tech. This one's from uh, BBC. So this one is specifically on uh, powerful artificial intelligence ban possible uh, government advisor warns. 
I believe this is specifically in the UK or EU on how to ban certain AI. So for example, OpenAI uh, and ChatGPT, uh, for those that are aware, are machine learning and AI engines that allow you to search in a specific way and receive specific results. So kind of like how you would do on Google, but if you don't want, you know, X amount of articles and stuff like that, you could get one specific answer for your problem. So if you say, you know, how to make a, you know, a cake, right? On Google, it'll show you, you know, 10,000 however many articles there are about how to make a cake. If you were to ask a platform like OpenAI's ChatGPT, it'll give you exactly, not necessarily exactly, but as in detail as you want uh, for that for that uh, question. Um, but what they're trying to do now is kind of restrict it. So the, the government in general is always adverse to a lot of newer things, uh, unless it's, you know, homegrown by them that they've produced themselves. So this one is to wanting to reduce the use of AI for government type of jobs and government type of tasks. And I think it's because OpenAI and all these other companies, they're not, they're not government, right? They are receiving information. And if you're providing information on government type things that could, you know, validate certain, uh, or, uh, make certain stuff like NDAs or non-disclosure agreements invalid. It could make other people aware of what is going on in the government that other people shouldn't be aware. Uh, and it's also not like these companies are specified to a specific country, right? So they don't have what certainly like, so for example, if it's, if it's the American government and you start talking about American government stuff and this stuff isn't hosted in America, just like how things like in uh, TikTok or Slack or other technologies that a lot of companies use or, or a lot of people use uh, are slowly getting banned is because of who is hosting and who is pushing out certain information. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think that's a good thing. You know, I mean, I think it's a good thing, uh, well, using some new technology, right? But yeah, when it comes to, you know, governments, yeah, they, each government's separate, separate, right? And, you know, if we were using it actually in our everyday processes may become a problem because as we learn in security, uh, you don't have to give up critical information to make critical information. All it takes is pieces. Right, you take a little piece at a time, and you can build a, a piece of critical information, and that's that's what we get taught. Uh, you know, yeah, even military, right? Just uh, understand what you're saying, what you're doing, can can cause problems uh, somewhere else. Yeah, good. So I mean, yeah, if you start using that to help you form your schedules, right, and uh, help this, uh, you know, help help you with uh, talking about certain things that we use all internal. And it's going to get reported because that is how AI works. It's constantly uh, intaking data, uh, processing it, and using it for the next time to it, basically it's educating itself. It's like a yeah. it's a it's a human robot, right? It basically is because what we do is we we take in information, we process it, process it a certain way. But this is a new experience that we learn, and it's the same thing for AI technology. So, yeah, I, that won't be uh, a little rough to use that in everyday everyday uh, processes uh, for the government. Yeah, and I, I didn't get a chance to read down the whole article. So, like, it's so uh, most of it, like, uh, they also had like a white paper about, you know, what decisions they're making, but they're not necessarily doing like a full ban. It's more like they're restricting use of how it can be used. As in, uh, like I said, it, it shouldn't be used for government type work. Should it be used 
And another thing that they were having a problem with is that it can cause a uh, unfair competitive advantage, as in with certain information now out there, and now that everyone's pulling from a you know a certain pool of information, it may limit what they can provide when, say, if people are doing uh, contracts for the government, if they're you know requesting certain funds, if they're requesting uh, support, they could all kind of be washed into the same thing. And another thing is that they they feel that with all these companies like OpenAI and a few of the other companies coming out, that being bid on for AI specific type of contracts could get monopolized by one company, kind of like how you know uh, you know Microsoft or AWS, if they were to have you know the entire control of all the the U.S. contracts on technology, then that would be a monopoly. Right now we are are highly dependent or too dependent on one type of uh, company or product. So to reduce that and to make it a little bit more competitive, they would, you know, put bans on what people can, what companies can bid on. Yeah, no, that that would make sense. Because, and also, I mean, for one, to to depend on one company in general, just makes it a single point of failure. Because what if someone gets word of that is how it works and right, and find out exactly the location and takes out that location, then now you just uh you pretty much cut off you know that that source to whoever that is right yeah. it's government or anybody right just and, and that's why monopolies are bad because one of the you know price gouging for one but yeah being a single point of failure if something was to go down that also it disrupts uh, the economy or disrupts that company or that government or whoever it is that's using it yeah so I I could definitely see like you know trying to uh you know try to hash that out first and uh and then i think you uh oh yeah the competitive advantage where like uh i guess if are we talking about like people who so say someone works for a company and using ai technology or are we talking about uh competitive edge in another way so i, I mean i think it, it has it in a few different ways the the way i think I, it states it is more towards uh companies using it for their competitive advantage but i can also see it being used as an where we were saying where it can't be a sole source or one person, one company type of thing. Well, I don't think it's a big deal for a company as a whole to use it, you know, uh, as a competitive advantage. It's more uh, individual, right? But an individual is solely dependent on something something like that technology. What can they do on their own if they're not provided? You know what I'm saying? They're not provided that type of technology. I mean, obviously in in our environment, you could end up in in an area by yourself with no computer insight besides the one that you're working on. And so you have no access to the outside world, but guess what you have to rely on is yourself and what you've learned so far versus like, you know, pretty much using the technology to do everything for you. Yeah. Yeah, I still think it's a good product. I still, I still think it's a good thing to use uh, because it helps in learning because think about it. If I can, uh, what is that? Cut down my time searching for whatever I'm looking for by actually stating exactly what I need and get that, then I just reduce my time in searching. And now I can just like get to reading and, you know, doing my, my own little, you know, research instead of like just going, doing the research for searching instead. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's a, that's a pretty cool article. Uh, and, uh, we, you know, we're, we're going to try to do more of these and probably get more of our different segments in here, but we're all trying to, you're trying to, uh, you know, improve the troubleshoot life podcast yeah yeah so all right guess we're gonna get out of here 
All right. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. This is Craig and Jay signing off the Troubleshoot Light Podcast. We'll see you next week. Please like and subscribe. And we'll see you next week.